Nailed that song, both services. Was that beautiful? She just killed that thing, man. Um, I tell you, I'm just so excited about what God's doing. And I'm I'm not like a false excited. I mean, I am excited. And especially with this word that is just really, so many people have just come to me with stories and testimonies of just how God has been moving in their life. And, And as I'm continuing today, I wanted to talk to you about uh, steps to healing our hearts. Now, before I get into that, I want want to talk to you about this. First of all, what it's really dealing with is disappointment. Because disappointment, I don't want to say it's the root of all evil, but disappointment is the root that is like a cancer to tear down our belief system, to tear down our hope, to tear down our opportunity for victory, to tear down our opportunity for healing and, and breakthrough. And we all know through is important. And it's important for you and I to come to a point to realize that the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And you know where it starts? It doesn't start with the biggest lie. It doesn't start with the biggest truth or unbelief. It starts very simply that if he could just get us a little bit disappointed. Because if he can get you disappointed and get that seed in your heart and in your mind, it's not long you get discouraged and then you get disillusioned and then you depart from whatever place you were in, either with God or in your marriage or in your church or ministry or family or career. It's so easy to allow the enemy to move in till he saturates our life and begins to rob us of God's best for our life. Now, let me give you this one scripture, and then I'm going to show you a couple of little slides real quick. Uh, you know, Proverbs tells us this, Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. When the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So what I want you to realize is the enemy is out to steal your hope. He's out to bring discouragement. What does that do? That disconnects us from courage. And he does not want you to have the courage to do what's right. He does not want you to have the courage to stand up for yourself, to stand up for God, to stand up for others. He does not want you to have the courage to get your breakthrough so that other people can have their breakthrough. He doesn't want you to have the courage to stand against that financial mountain or stand against that relationship that's just such a mountain or stand against past hurts or future fears or future worries. And, and what it does, he, he starts with that little seed of discouragement. And if we want to walk in healing in our whole body, W-H-O-L-E, and our whole spirit and our whole soul, then, then we got to begin to deal with that and take care of our own heart. Now, I'll give you a little update. I showed you this a while back, but a couple weeks ago, you know, I had a, a pretty uh, wild couple weeks there, I guess, Mr. Gwen, Ms. Gwen, what, a couple wild weeks, few weeks you did too with your mom and everything physically. And, and you know... Uh, we, uh, my mother went home, to, my sister went home to be with the Lord, was like my second mother, and I had her funeral to go do, and then Pierce, my son, it's a junior in high school at LCA, Lexington Christian Academy, plays on the basketball team, well, before I leave town, actually, while I'm getting on a plane, earlier that morning, he'd heard it the Friday night before, Monday morning, the trainer said, you got to go to the doctor, he went with him, I went in the, in the morning, they did an MRI, was very concerned, 
they scheduled a meeting that afternoon with a hand specialist. Well, uh, uh, with another doctor. The next day is a hand specialist. So while this was going on with the second doctor on Monday, I'm flying out. I'm on a plane, Steph and I are. And then when I land, I get this photo of Pierce. Well, he's in the middle of tournaments and, and this was right uh, coming into the district tournament the week before that. And he's had a really fun, great year. And, and, and obviously it's very discouraging for him and for me and for all of us. You know, the enemy wants to just get in there and say, okay, you know, it's not for you. And so whenever his arm was hurt, when he came out, he didn't even tell us after the game and come to find out is his wrist that that they first, when they did the first uh, x-ray and stuff, they thought it was fractured, or it was then, fractured, the bone turned, real bad tendon stuff on his throwing and shooting hand right on his wrist. So whenever this happened, I just told him Monday morning, we're going to the doctor. I said, come here, let's pray. So I just put my hand over it and I said, look here, we're going to pray right now over your hand. Pray over your wrist for, for God to heal it. So we prayed a very simple prayer, released our faith. I said, now, look at me. I said, no matter what report you get, we're going to get the final report from Jesus. We can get the facts today, but we know the truth. So we're, we're not going to go too high or too low for this doctor's appointment. We're going to take the next step. Let's go to the doctor. Well, that's when they thought it's pretty serious, but they didn't, I didn't know about the cast. So to give you context, so when I land, I find out about the cast. So I call him. I said, how you doing? Ah, well, all right, Dad, but they say, you know, uh, I said, look, I said, what'd we say? I said, every time you look at that cast, look at that wrist, you just start giving God gratitude. Just thank him. Just thank him. Don't pray again for healing. Just thank him. We pray for healing. Thank him. Just, Lord, thank you for that. And thank you for healing my wrist. Thank you for healing my bone, my tendon. So that afternoon when he went back, the next day when he went back that afternoon and he'd been praying at the, the hand specialist looked at it and he said, hmm, okay. And he looked at MR and he cut the cast off and did some stuff and did some more tests and said, well, I got good news and bad news. The good news is it's not fractured or broken, but the bad news is you're looking six to eight weeks and a lot of pain, swelling, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, you've really done a lot of damage there in your wrist. And then he asked him, well, if I, when can I play? He said, well, <clears throat> you might be able to stand the pain in a week and try to play through it. You can't hurt it any more than it is as long as your eyes didn't take care of it. But you're going to have a lot of pain. And he showed him the MRI. And I said, okay. So Pierce called me, told me what he said. I said, uh, okay, son, because we're in Florida with my sister doing the funeral. And I said, okay. I said, that's one. I said, that's one step. Okay. We got the cast off. Now we're just believing to cut that down. It's got to accelerate this healing. And so he wasn't supposed to play, you know, for at least a week. Well, within four or five days, he's playing in Louisville and part of a game, just filling it out. Then the next week he plays a half. And then before you know it, before the end of the week during the district tournament, he played the whole championship game. And really the last two games, let's show a little picture of that. Uh, you got that trap? There they are cutting the nets down for the district championship here in Lexington. And... And I'm not only showing you that because it's my son, but what I want you to do is I go through stuff too. But here's the thing. You you can take that down now, guys. But here's the thing. And by the way, they're playing Wednesday night in the regionals. Praise God. So at the EKU. So be cheering them on. Um, But what would I do if that didn't happen? Because Friday night, he's like, or whenever they won the championship, I think it's Friday night. I don't even remember now. So whenever they won a championship, he's like, I'm not even wearing tape tonight, Dad. I said, you sure? Yeah, no, I'm not wearing tape. I said, okay. And he didn't and ended up good. But what would I do if he didn't get healed? 
See, that's the key. And that's what you got to realize. You don't set your faith on what you see, what you feel, or what you know in your own mind. Because that's when you get disheartened. That's when you get discouraged. And I've been in this thing long enough to know no matter what the reason was or what report I got, God plans on turning this thing in our favor. And I might not see the favor this week. It might be several years from now. But whenever it is, I'm standing on it. But until then, I'm believing for accelerated healing. I want this thing healed, and so does Pierce. And what I want you to realize is no matter what the answer comes back, you got to come to a place in your life that you know and trust God beyond any other point or any other thing. And I'm going to talk to you about that because here's the key. Whether we see something that we understand or don't understand or something works out in our favor immediately or it takes a little while or it takes a long time, we got to come to the place to where we have trust in God to understand that we're the ones responsible to guard our belief system. We're the ones responsible to guard our hearts because if the enemy can get your heart and get your decision-making resources, he can get you. And if he can get you, he can get people you love, people you know, and people you influence. So you are very critical to the scheme of God, the plan of God, just as I am. He is no respecter of persons. He loves every one of us just the same. He loves us the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loved us before we came to Christ, during, and even when we go to heaven. He loves us the same always. He first loved us, and his love is perfect and doesn't change. So you're not going to get him to love you more or do, you know, if this happens on time or doesn't happen on time. None of that really is what's at stake. What's at stake, the enemy wants your heart. Now, when I'm talking about healing, we know that 1 Peter 2.24 says, By his stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus bore our suffering, our grief, and our sorrows on Calvary. <clears throat> Not only covering, you know, our salvation and, and sin, but by his stripes we were healed there. Then Jesus quotes it in Matthew's gospel, chapter 8. So we, we, we see that. But we understand what the word says, but we don't always see it immediately. Or we don't, maybe don't even see it in our time. And we're wondering about it. And, and it might be a marriage situation, right? relationship. It could be kids. It could be health. It could be whatever. And what I want you to realize is you are not in a battle of flesh and blood, but you are in a battle against principalities, power, and wickedness in high places. So when I'm talking about healing today, I'm talking about more than flesh healing or bone healing or any of that stuff, emotional healing. I'm talking about the very healing of your heart. You see, the heart is the centerpiece. We know it's our organ in the natural. It's a flesh thing. It's an organ thing, and it has a job. But we also know the Bible talks about it, refers to it as a soul, that, that it's your decision. That, it, the Bible refers to the word heart a lot of times for your decision-making resources, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then the third thing, and the most important thing, it refers to your heart, cardia, as spirit. It's really referring to your human spirit, who you really are. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, I pray for your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit, soul, and body, that it be found blameless in that day, in the day you come before the Lord. So we see we are a tripart being. God is a tripart God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, <clears throat> flesh, blood, and bone, spirit, soul, and body, all that good stuff. Now listen, I'm, I'm kind of rushing because I want to get somewhere with you. The enemy wants to get thoughts in your mind and disappointments that things don't turn out the way you thought they would or should 
So he can rob you of your courage to believe, to know, and to trust God, that God is good. And the reason Satan is always trying to sprinkle a little seed of disappointment in your life and in my life is because if he can just sprinkle a little of that disappointment and we bite on that thing, then we won't trust and apply the victory that God already paid for on our behalf. And we stop growing and eventually we just rither up and fall away. So when I'm talking about healing to your hearts today, I'm talking about more than an organ or a flesh thing. I'm talking about your very spirit and your soul. And disappointment, if it's not, it, 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 any disappointment does, that does not get a redemptive touch of God is just going to foul and fester. Any disappointment, belief or unbelief you have, perception, assumption, if you don't deal with that disappointment and get it under the blood and get it to God and work it out with God, here's what's going to happen is it's going to fester. It's going to get infected. That's how a little bit of anger gets started. That's how about a little bit of offense gets started. That's how about a little bit of denial gets started, a little bit of distrust, a little bit of lying, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And what happens is it starts bringing you to a place to where your heart is sick. Your decision-making resources is sick. Your decision-making resource isn't functioning properly. It's not perceiving things properly. It's not able to identify or calculate or understand things that it normally used to because it is blocked. It is clouded with emotions and with anger and with disappointment and with fear and with discouragement. And it's robbing you of your joy. It's robbing you of your peace. It's robbing you of your relationships. It's robbing you of your career and your income and all of these things simply because we opened the door to a little bit of disappointment and we didn't deal with it. Now, I'm not saying we don't get disappointed. I'm not saying we don't get discouraged. I'm not even saying we don't get depressed. I'm saying don't stay there. Deal with it. When you identify, deal with it. So I'm going to give you a couple of the first. I gave you four things that I use to deal with discouragement that I use when my heart needs healed, when my decision-making resources needs touched, when my spirit man needs built up. Because if you allow your soul to be so infected, it eventually affects your spirit. And you don't want to allow your spirit, who you really are in Christ, that got born again, that got regenerated, renewed in God. You don't want that thing not functioning the way it should function. You want it to do everything it's supposed to do. So the first thing I told you for the tools, the first tool that, that I gave you last week, I'll give you a little quick overview of the first two, and then I'll get to the three and four. The first tool that I gave you is very simple. Be honest with God. I mean, that sounds simple, but it's not always as simple as it sounds if you've been in this thing a while. Be honest with God. I mean, sometimes we just got to go before God, humble ourselves, and weep. Sometimes scream, cry, whatever you got to do, laugh, jump, celebrate. But we got to come before God honestly, opening up our mind, will, and emotions, opening up everything to him so he can begin to minister to our heart. And what you need to realize, when you come to him with this kind of openness, no matter how transparent it is, he's never going to reject it. Remember, I taught you last week out of Hebrews 4, and I don't have time to go there, verses 14 through 16, how that, that, that we can go into the throne of grace and receive mercy in the time of need. 
you can go into that throne. I told you like in verse 13 or so where he said that we do not have a God which cannot feel our infirmities. In other words, he's God. He, Jesus came. He died. He felt our infirmities. He felt our disease. He took our sin on himself on Calvary. He's taken every abuse, every hurt, every lie, every disease, cancer. He took it all at one time for you and I on Calvary. Now we live in a cursed world and we still got to deal with that stuff, but he knows exactly what it is and exactly what it feels like. And he's given us the tools, but here's the thing. You got to have faith. Remember, I talked to you about the different measures of faith a few weeks ago. You got to have faith. Now listen, to this. here's a newer definition of faith. There's several, but here's a good one. Faith is what? Faith is, uh, faith is knowing his ability and trusting his nature. Faith is knowing God's ability and trusting his nature. So when I know God's ability, that means I know that, that God is able. That means I know his attributes, that he can save, that he can heal, that he can deliver, that he can bring great gifts, that he can move mountains, that God can do anything. He's God. He is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, right? I'm not present everywhere all the time. He is God. He is separate. He is other. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Huh? He, he's all the Jehovah Nisi, my banner. He's all of this stuff. But that's cool, isn't it, Jordan, until I need it. Yeah. I mean, it's great. He's your healer, but what about when I need healed? It, it, it's great. He's your provider, but I'm the one who needs some provision over here, preacher. It, it, it's great when he restores your soul, but my soul's hurting and sick right now. Jesus. Hmm. See, faith, we know in Hebrews 11, 1, now, faith is substance hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know faith is knowing and trusting God, but it's even more than that. It's, it's, it's knowing God's ability, what he's able to do, his attributes the, from his person, his personality. Then it's what? Trusting his nature. Trusting his, what's his nature? Someone says, oh, Mark, he, Pastor Mark, he's just such a good-natured guy. What am I saying? He's got a good heart. He's just a good soul. He's a good guy. And what we got to do is not only know about God that he saves, heals, delivers, sets free. He's amazing. He's really cool for everybody but me. I mean, I know he can do all that. He created the earth and all that. But, but you've got to also trust his heart. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about when I was talking about Pierce's hand. I've been around this thing long enough. To know that even though I don't understand some things, I still got to trust. Even though I don't know the exact timing of things, I got to know enough to trust him. To trust his heart that the steps of a good man, a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I got, I got to know his word and I got to trust it. And when I do, what am I doing? I'm not just trusting a book. I'm, I'm trusting a heart. I'm trusting the heart of the one who loved me so much that before I was even born, he sent his only son to die from Dalton, to pay for my sin, to pay for my mess, to pay for my life, to pay for what I, de I deserve to pay for. But he paid for it because he loved me and you so much. So that's the kind of nature. If I can come to grips with that nature, even if I don't totally get the ability piece, I can work through anything. But you can know all about his ability, but if you don't trust his heart, you're not gonna get very far. Hmm. 
So the first thing is what? I got to be honest with God. I got to be honest with God. Now, now go to the second one with me real quick. The second tool that God gave me is this. It's real simple. Listen to God. And that sounds complicated, doesn't it? You know, it's not complicated, but it is. Listen to God. Now, the Psalms is a great place to go when you're dealing with conflict and emotions and things you don't understand and things you can't figure out on your own because they represent just about every kind of conflict or tragedy you could face. And, and it's important that, that we find a place that identifies with us, whether it's Psalms, Proverbs, the Gospels. You gotta get in the Word and find places you can identify with. And here's the key, here's the key. You gotta read this Word until, how long, preacher, do I have to read this Word? I mean, preacher, how long do I have to pray? How long do I have to study this stuff? I mean, I've been studying myself to show myself approved, and I still got financial problems. I've been studying to show myself approved, my body's still messed up. How? You got to study his word and listen to God until it sounds like your voice. You got to listen to him so much that it sounds like you talking. You got to read it, listen to it, get it in you that it's so real to you. It's just like you saying it. To where you hear yourself, you identify with it to the point that you read it, you listen to it, and to the point you hear it in your own voice. It's like your own mind talking to you. That's what renewing your mind is about. We see that in, in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, and I, I won't go there. Well, yeah, let me give you that real quick to kind of refresh you. How much time I have? I won't get too far. Okay. Says this, says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words, to God's words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them where? Within your heart. In that decision-making place. In your soul, in your spirit. Keep them in your heart. What? For they are life. Life to those who what? Find them. And health to one's whole, W-H-O-L-E, body. So it's life and health to us. So as we do that, as we focus, what am I going to just read the book, read the Word? What you got to remember is John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And about verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? It's Jesus. Two terms used for the word to identify it more than just letters on a page is logos and rhema. Rhema is the promises of God. Rhema is the person or personality. I mean, rhema is the promises, but logos is the sum total of the person of God. So whenever you're reading the word, you're discovering his person and who he is, and the nature of his heart. And then when you start getting on the rhema side, you're finding out what his promises are, and his plans are, and his power is, and his desires are for you on your behalf. So it's more than just reading a book. And, and as we begin to take these words, and whether we sing them, or we read them out loud, whatever we do, listen to them over and over again, what are we doing? As we do that, and we make that our own, it begins to change the way we think and the way we talk and the decisions, listen, the decisions we make. Then 
we learn in verse 23, it says above all else. Everybody say all. Above our attitude, above our feelings, above our health, above our career, anything, any relationship, above all else, guard your heart. See, it just seems like discouragement wouldn't be that big a deal. A little bit of discouragement, a little bit of anger, a little bit of offense, a little bit of fear. Wouldn't be that big a deal. But see, the problem is it's attacking the most critical part of your being, of your DNA, of your identity, of who you are, who you ever will be. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Well, you know, that's just my personality. I just have, I'm a redhead, so I'm just have an attitude. No, that's sin. Sin, anger, if you don't repent of it, sin. I don't care if you got brown hair or red hair. It doesn't really matter. White hair or yellow hair, it don't matter. No, we have to come to a place with our heart where we deal with our issues. Our issues must become our issues. When my issue is always portrayed on someone else, then I'll never quantify it in my heart and mind and never truly repent of it. And then I repeat it over and over and over again. And when I reap what I sow, If I sow disunity, I have disunity in my life. If I sow unforgiveness, I have people that don't forgive me. If I sow anger, I reap anger. If whatever I sow, it's a kingdom of sowing and reaping. We know that in the natural, let alone in the spiritual. So it's so important. What? Number two, listen to God. Okay, this is where I wanted to get to. Third one. Third tool that I use is this. I always want to receive the peace that passes all understanding. See, until I'm, until I'm looking at this point over here, guys, until I'm doing the first two things, until I'm, uh, until I'm listening to God, until I'm honest with God, I can't really hear his voice, right? So I first got to be honest with him. Here I am. This is me. This, this is it. Well, I'm not going to fool him because he said in Hebrews 4, 12, he not only knows my heart, but he knows the very, very intentions thereof. Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, he not only knows how many hairs I have on my head, but he knows the number exactly. And that's a miracle. So he knows not only what you're thinking, but what you might even somebody could hope for, maybe think. So what are you hiding from him? So until I'm honest, I can never hear his words. Because if I don't, Open my heart to trust his nature. How can I receive his ability? And without his ability, how can I accomplish and defeat Satan in this world in my life? So when I get to a place where I I can trust him and I can listen to him and really hear it and apply it to my heart, then I'm getting to a place where I can access this third tool that we must have, the peace that passes all understanding. How do you get that, Pastor? By doing those first two tools. And then the third one is just continue to go before God. Just continue to go before him. Pour out your heart. Just pour out your heart. Pour out your mind. Pour out your soul to him. Pour out your heart to him. Be honest. Be transparent with him. Pour it out. And then you just pour it out until his peace totally invades. You see, the myth about peace is a lot of people say, well, you lay hands on me, I need peace, and just give me peace. Well, what they don't realize, if I'm praying for them, I'm not praying for them to have peace because if they're born again, they have it. Galatians chapter 5 says it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. 
So if the Holy Spirit's in you, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit in you, then in you is the fruit of uh, love, joy, hope, peace, temperance, meekness, faith, and long-suffering, which is patience. Anyway, there's seven fruits of the Holy Spirit. So what we need to do is learn not only our nature, but the nature of God, which the Holy Spirit is here to reveal. And what I have a choice to do if I'm listening to God, right? And I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trusting God and I'm listening to God. Guess what happens? Transparently, guess what happens? Now, all of a sudden, I can receive or stir up the peace that's already in me. I have access that even when my body is down or my mind's de- trying battling depression or I'm discouraged or something didn't work out my way or someone wants me to walk in a fence or whatever it is, I, I have to back off and choose and choose, please stop talking, and choose God's peace. And when I have that peace, it passes up my understanding of the matter because if what I thought a matter really about it really counted why am I discouraged if I understood what it really meant then why am I praying in the first place if I don't need God why am I wasting my time being in church if I don't need God what am I wasting my time praying for So when we come to that place and we realize that his peace is in me because I'm a Christian, I'm born again, I'm blood bought, then what happens is I can access that no matter where I'm at, no matter what situation I'm dealing with, no matter what's going on. I may not feel it right that moment, but man, before long, it'll start flooding over me. It'll it'll sit with you on the front row in a funeral home. It'll stand with you at the graveside. It'll walk in the hospital with you. It'll be right there when you get your diagnosis, whether it's good or bad. Peace that passes anything you could figure out or think on your own. Oh, it's scriptural. Oh, I want some of that peace. Well, well, right here it is. It's real easy. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Every situation, no matter what the situation, good or bad, in every situation, but in every situation, what? By prayer and petition. Prayer, communing, communicating, not talking at God, communing and conversing with, asking, that's a petition, and receiving from, that's faith. Communing and conversing with, asking and receiving from God. That's what prayer is. It's an act. It's an action. So as I begin to commune and converse and I pray, it says, and petition. So petition is really the prayer of faith. So you can get in God's word if you've been transparent and you can get in his word and listen and read it and, and get other people even to help you with it and take his word and build a petition. In other words, you, you put together his scriptures or his word, his logos and his rhema, and you begin to pray and you release those words over your situation. That's called a petition. See, politicians, people in the political arena use it and have no power. But you can use it in the kingdom of God and break down devil's strongholds and break down poverty and break down other things. This nation doesn't need another politician. It needs Jesus. That's what it needs. 
And what I want you to understand is you got a greater authority than any authority on this earth. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And when I begin to understand that and put a petition before God, and I believe, I know his ability, but I trust his nature, no devil in hell can overcome me. If you know he can do it, he has the power, and you trust his heart. See, that's what discouragement is. It's not to get you to doubt his ability. People don't, even Satan knows how powerful God is. He wants you to doubt his heart. Because if he can get you to doubt his heart and not think he's good, that's when he can cause great havoc in your life. And that's a sick heart. It says that, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, conjunction and, right? Look at number three. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Enter, enter into what? God's course, what? With thanksgiving and praise. We come into his presence with gratitude. That's why I told Pierce, I said, you, you just, every time you look at your hand or you feel a twinge, you don't have to pray, God, heal me again. You just start thanking him. I thank you, Lord. You've been so good to me. You're my healer. Lord, I, I just thank you that, that you'll never leave me or forsake me. I just thank you, Lord, no matter what the plans for the enemy are. Man, you got my back, God. I, 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 no matter what, Lord, I, I'm always going to love you. I, I just thank you that you gave me my parents. I just thank you. You gave me my family. Lord, I just thank you gave me health to do what I do. Just start giving thanks. And when you take those three things, prayer, a petition, something to stand on, and you begin to give gratitude to God, then you're ready to present your request. You're not just talking at him. You're really saying, here's my request. You get more with honor and love than you do this. Well, God, if you're real, just do it. You did it for her. Won't you do it for me? No, gratitude. And now look what happens. It says, when you present your request to God, verse 7, and not just any peace, the peace. The fruit of the Spirit of the living God. The peace of God. See, see, Dalton's peace is shaky. You know, Dalton's peace is up and down like a yo-yo. It's in and out. It's there and it's not there when I need it. But thank goodness, Daryl, I can step beyond and transcend beyond Dalton's peace and I can tap into the father's peace it's like the old prophet you know when he's standing there and coming in to get Elisha the Gehaziel's coming oh my god look there's armies there's chariots coming to wipe us out prophet oh he goes out and gets interrupts Elisha and Elisha comes out and he looks around and Elisha doesn't see what the young prophet sees Gehaziel Gehazel, see, that's, that's just the people don't understand prophecy. All they ever see is the devil. It's probably because a lot of it's in them and they ain't got it out yet. It's all negative. You're really prophetic. You'll see positive stuff. Anyway, get me going on that. So, so anyway, Gehazel's out there and he sees it's reality. It's a fact. There's armies. They're here to kill us. They're here to take us. And then Elisha said, he prayed, Lord, let him see what I see. And he said, what do you see now, Gehazel? And all of a sudden he saw these huge angels and cherubs and chariots of fire greater than any of those armies could ever be fire standing around the valley just waiting to jump on that enemy. 
telling you, greater is he who is in me. What's happening inside you is way greater than what's happening to you or around you. But you've got to get your attention off of what hasn't worked. You got to get your attention off what's negative. You got to get your attention and your mind off what hurts and what don't feel good and what didn't work out for me, 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 me. And get your mind on the goodness of your father. Get your mind on the love of the father. Get your mind on the grace and the peace of God. And then it will pass any intellect or understanding you have. Because if I understood it and didn't need God, why would I waste my time? But as we begin to understand that, the peace which what? Transcends, goes beyond all, all, all wisdom, knowledge, school, and all understanding. And when you can walk in his, look, look what the blanket of hope is. Here, 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 get this, don't miss this. The peace of God which transcends what? All understanding. That is the only thing that will protect your heart. Not faith, you know, not your word, not all that scholarly wisdom you have. No, 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 no. Not your good intentions. The only thing that will guard our hearts is the peace of God. But the good news is, even when you don't understand a matter, can't figure it out, wonder why it happened to you, God can turn whatever the enemy set up against you into your favor and make it a platform if you'll learn to tap into his peace. Which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, look, and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, has God separated the heart and the mind there? Because what happens when your soul gets so infected, it begins to infect your spirit. It begins to infect every part of you. You ever say, well, they got a bad spirit. What is that? They're, they're sick. It's just a sick person. It's a person that's got a sick heart that needs healed. When people are gossiping and offend, offensive and, you know, just out to point the negative out, they're just, when they do that to you, just pray for them. They're sick. They're just, they're just sick. You know, you, you need to have grace and mercy and pray. For, I pray for people. I mean, even when I get angry for a few minutes, then I just, okay, then I'll just lock off. I say, God, Dalton's peace don't cover this one. I need your peace. Help me. And then all of a sudden I can pray for them the right way and I can truly love them just the way they are, not the way I think they should be. Look now. Let me help you with this. This is a biggie. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a biggie. It's something you can take with you. If you do not give up your right to understand, you will not receive the peace that passes all understanding. If you do not give up your right, your rights to understand, you will not be able to walk in the peace that passes all understanding. Well, Lord, I'm just going to hang on till I get the answer. Maybe your answer is to trust and obey. See, when we feel we have rights, we don't have faith. The Bible says we are dead in Christ when we're children of God. When you're dead in Christ, that means there's no you, it's him. 
And any time you pops up, you need to kill it. You need to put it down. Because you will mess you up. So if you do not give up your right to understand, you'll never truly walk in the peace. You might be right or think you're right, but you won't walk in peace. You won't live in peace. You won't be, when you're alone, you won't be in peace. The healing you need doesn't begin in your mind. It's not intellectual in nature. The healing we need targets our heart, the center of who we are. That's the healing we need. I need to understand. You don't have a right to understand. Who are you? Dalton don't have a right. Oh, you just want everybody to be dumb and ignorant. See, that, that's because that's you're sick, man. I'll be praying for you. Because you haven't been listening to a word I said. That's not my heart. You're just sick. It's okay. You can be offended for a while. God will let you be that for a little bit. And then you'll just get sicker and sicker. He's your healer, but he can't heal you if you don't accept it. Well, he can heal me if he wants to. Well, no, 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 no. He won't heal you just because if he wants. He already wants to. You got to do it on his terms. He's big God. Remember that? Not you. Not me. He targets the heart because that's the place of recovering. That's the place where recovering health is restored to you. He restores my soul. David said, he restoreth my soul. He restoreth, man, those tough times. He'll set my enemies at my table and still restore my soul. He constantly got his soul restored. What is it? That's the time you, your understanding is renewed. You know what it's renewed to? Not just so you can figure it out. It's renewed so you'll trust him no matter what. Yes. That's all he needs. Let me, let me give you another thought. The number one thing you do not want to do as a child of God is devalue what he has taught you in the past. Don't, don't devalue what you've learned in the past. Well, Lord, I learned that lesson. No, you're ready to take another lap. You hadn't learned it yet. Well, I figured that out five years ago. I can't believe I'm dealing with that again. Well, you never got rid of it. No, never devalue what you've learned with God from the past. Just because you learned it from the past doesn't mean it still works until you work it. It may have worked over that one situation, that one time, but it's not going to work the next time and the next time and the next time until you use the principle. You can know the formula for algebra or geometry. And you could ace your ACT and not miss one and get in your first college class and know all the principles and there's an exam, a test, an exam. But if you don't use those formulas, guess what, buddy? I don't care how much you know. I don't care how many exams you aced. You're going to fail. Oh, we think we get beyond Forgiveness, we, we get beyond that little level of faith. We get beyond that little level of know what I know and knowledge. Who are you? Really? Who am I? Well, they just made me mad. No, you made yourself mad because you're immature. Now be transparent and just ask for forgiveness. That's what I have to do. That's why God talks to me. 
Dalton, what are you mad in a drive-thru for? But you don't understand. I didn't get my ketchup. My fries were cut. Dalton, okay, Lord, pull over. I'm sorry. <laughs> Might take me a minute or two to fill the prayer, but I'd pray it. <laughs> it doesn't matter because I know if I can't get over being offended over French fries being cold, <laughs> I'm not going to get over being betrayed or being lied on or being cheated on or being stole from. Little is much with the Lord. We want to use that for prosperity. Little is much. It is a little seed is a much. But guess what? Little is much with negative is just much as positive because you reap what you sow. Oh, come on now. God doesn't give you the negative, but your heart's not covered. And the only way you can guard your hearts with peace. And if you're angry, offended, upset, or think you have a right to know something, then you don't have peace. You don't have peace. You're your own God. So live it. Hope it works out for you. You won't be the first one tried it. Say, Pastor, you're awful tough. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to a spirit. I'm preaching to, I'm not preaching to any person in this room. I'm preaching to a spirit. Because there is a spirit over this nation that's trying to kill us, trying to rob us, trying to discourage us, trying to depress us, trying to get us to depart from the faith. And I refuse to depart from the faith. I'm going to stand no matter if anybody stands with me, likes me, don't, don't really matter. I made that up, made my mind up a long time ago. When you don't know what to do, just yes. do what's right. Yes. But they don't deserve it. Neither do you. Amen. Amen. First service was a little easier. You might have should have come to that one. <laughs> let, me, let me give you this. Look at this bottle. If I only had one hand, what can I do? I can only hold on to one thing at a time. You only got one heart. One mind. One soul. One body. You can only hold on to one thing at a time. You can choose. You can hold on to disappointment. I didn't have it my way, the Burger Kingdom way. Didn't get it my way. Or you can hang on to it with God's way. And have encouragement. So you can either live holding on to the promise of God or holding on to disappointment. God already made his mind up. No matter what they did to you, said to you, think about you, want to do about you, could care about you at all. Don't really matter. All that matters is who God is and what he's made his mind up about. And can we get in agreement to that? that that's what it's about. Yes. Then when that happens, you can access peace that supersedes and transcends anything your mind even attempts to figure out. Or anyone else's mind. Let me give you the last one real quick. My, my time up. Okay, I'll give it to you anyway. Because I can. That's right. The fourth one is this. It's a quick one. Feed your heart correctly. Well, I'm in the Word all the time. Feed your heart correctly. I listen to the Word all the time. Feed your heart correctly. Garbage in, garbage out. You better make sure who you turn your mind and your heart over is right. 
Feed your heart on what God is doing. Look at this now. Feed your heart on what God is doing without stumbling over what he hasn't done or hasn't seemed to do. Well, you know, God, I thought you said you were going to do that. God, I thought... I thought you were going to do that. God, your word says this. God, your word says that. Feed your heart on what God is doing. In other words, like I told Pierce, man, hey, the next day he got his cast off. But, you know, you can't play for six to eight weeks or you can try, but you're not going to be, you're going to be paying. I said, but you got your cast off. Let's start thanking God for that. Got your cast off. Now let's start thinking. Said you couldn't, said don't even try it for a week. Well, let's start thanking God. Well, within four days, he's playing a little bit, about a half a quarter. Well, let's get, played a half a quarter. You could shoot in warm-ups. You could, let's, let's thank God. Next game, I had to play him almost two and a half quarters. And then he just finished the last game and played the whole game. And he played, he said, I don't want tape for this game. What, what? You've got to give gratitude. You've got to thank God. Lord, you know, I, I think I almost feel a little better after that prayer. I, I think I almost can move my little pinky even though my whole hand's broken. I, I, I think I saw it flex or something. And, and start thanking God for it. Start giving gratitude. Start thanking God for what he's done. You, well, well, you know, God just didn't heal my heart, preacher. I've been depressed for years. But you're breathing. Yes. If it's any other God, he killed you back then. Gave you grace to live another day. Just repent. Forgive. Love. Be loved. Have hope. Don't stumble over what you don't think he's done yet. Well, you did seven out of ten things for me. You didn't deserve one. We don't even deserve heaven and we're sitting here keeping an account on God. Oh my goodness. I mean, I know people are goofy, but come on. We're goofy. If, we can't, if I can't admit I'm goofy, then, then I obviously have pride because we're goofy. If you, if you think you got it figured out, God bless you. Please help them, Lord. Because none of us have this thing figured out. And every time, it doesn't matter if it's to test, believing for a family member to live, to believe for your son's hand to be healed or, or whatever. There's times I haven't seen it happen like that, and I still had to trust. There's times it didn't work out, and people I prayed for died, Greg, and I still had to trust that God is still my healer and that God is good and that God loves. Not that God plucked another lily. God don't kill anything except the devil. And he's got an appointment. Read the end of the book. And he knows it. Jesus said, Satan comes to kill, steal, destroy. God comes to give life and give life. What more? Abundantly. Better than you've ever had it before. Need to break that mentality off our lives. You ever seen negative people always hang out with each other because nobody else can stand to be around them? Then they always like, well, I don't want to be around her. She's so positive. <laughs> Look around. Let me give you the final verse. Matthew 6 6. Jesus said this, but when you pray. See, I, I could stop there and preach about six weeks. Right there. You see, we hold God accountable, Daryl, for all this stuff. 
But one little word determines everything. Wasn't pray. Wasn't God's ability or God's nature, Miss Gwen. One little word keeps us from every breakthrough we're believing for. Every one of them. Not will he, could he, ability, nature. When? When we pray. Preacher, will you pray for me? Will the intercessors pray for me? Will Cousin Joe of Uncle Benny's third... Anybody pray for me? Will the guy on TV pray for me? Will anybody pray? What about when you pray? I have people quit the church because I apparently didn't get to them and pray with them. Well, you know, over the years, you know how that stuff. Well, you know, it's not my intention not to pray with someone, but I'm one person. And I've even sent people to them. Oh, it wasn't pressure. They left church anyway because that was just Pastor Mark or somebody else. That wasn't Pastor Dalton. What about you, dude? When you pray. Let's do this. Let's do a game. Point out this way. Point out in front of you. Now, point to you. Oh, who's you? Is you Pastor Mark? Is you Pastor Dalton or Jordan? Oh, I think, I think you is, you got it. You. When you pray. When you pray, go into your room. Yes. And when you yes. have, you know, when they stop talking about me, when, when they stop pointing me out, no, when you, when you go into your room, when you have shut the door. See, see, you could be in this room and shut the door. Yes. I could be in a meeting have to make an important decision and my spirit be anxious and I don't stop and say yeah I say everyone halt I must shut the door and go before God no I shut the door I could be having a conversation with you in a hotel I, I shut the door and my focus is not even on that conversation my focus on what is it I'm believing for what is it right now I felt an urgency in my spirit and I gotta release my faith I don't even have to speak it out I can release my faith it's by walking in a room you know when I'm in this building and when I'm not, don't you? You think that just happens? I carry a faith. When I walk in a room, you notice it's different than somebody else walking in a room. Why? Because I have it. And I can release it without saying a word. And so do you. Just don't work on it enough. Talk about it a lot. You try to talk it up in your importance. Ain't not be back, nobody back from second service next week. I'm just trying to help you. Because I, I believe you got what it takes if you'll just pray. When you pray. When you shut the door off your fear. Shut the door off those accusations against people and against God. Just shut your mind. Just shut the door and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And when you pray to him who's in the secret place, he will reward you openly. Wow. Man, he's wanting to reward you. I, I really believe with all my heart. Man, I, see, you, you may have already forgot about it, but I haven't. You, you may have. See, this is, this is 2018. I, I don't know what you're thinking about. But I don't get up a day or go to bed at night, at night without thinking, open wide! 
your heart. Open wide your, your eyes and your ears to hear and to see what the Lord will say to your heart. And then he will release his presence and his power on your life like never before. I'm open, baby. Come on, Lord. I don't know about you. I don't know about the person sitting beside you. I don't know about the people in your family. But I'm open. And what I'm trying to do today is open the heavens over your life. Open the heavens over your mind. Open the heavens over your circumstances, over your situations. Going above your head, talking to principalities today, talking to powers and wickedness that wants to stop you, that wants to stall you, that wants to kill you. Take your seed. But there's an open heaven. But here's the thing here's the thing heaven never closed. Never closed. Never closed. But we can't discern when and where it's open because we don't have heaven on our mind. We don't have God on our mind. We got, see, the enemy wants us to have revenge and envy and lust, and he doesn't want us to have love and grace and hope and mercy. And when we do pray, it's not for anybody else. I mean, if we're going to take that time, we, we ain't have much time anyway. We're going to pray for ourselves. Why would I pray for anybody else? See, I'm believing this year, everyone in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice, that you live under an open heaven. I'm believing you experience healing and miracle like never before. I'm believing you experience a financial break, breakthrough like never before. I'm believing you've received just career opportunities, just that, that just, just this ministry opportunities. I'm just believing for an open heaven over your life right now. Right now. Right now. The shortest existence you will ever experience is on this planet. This little old measly 60, 80, 90, 100, 120 years, whatever. It's a little old measly experience, not even a blimp in eternity. And we, 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 we can't take 60, 80, 100 years and out of millions of years and give it to God because we're so busy. Oh, hallelujah. Bet you're glad you came today. Hallelujah. right now if you just want to open heaven just raise your hands I want to pray for you Pastor Mark's getting ready to come he's been ready to come for 15 minutes trying to help me out amen Father I just thank you right now that you are a God of open heavens you, you are a God of yes a God of love a God of mercy a God of hope your nose is not no it's just not yet because you know what's best for us Holy Spirit, release your favor, release your spirit, your healing, your power over our lives that we can feel your presence that like never before, God. We can feel your presence like never before. God, that we can demonstrate your power like never before, not because we're anything, but because we're here for you and you are everything. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.